Blog Talk Radio. And now, here's your host, William Powell, the king of DC media. Halloween special. Tonight's guests are Chad Eric Smith, Ethereal, you just heard, and he's also an amazing actor and filmmaker. And his uh, film, uh, Rumination, recently premiered down in uh, Prince George's County. And also tonight we're also going to have TV host Jerry Moore, host of Monster Madhouse. You can find out more about Jerry at MonsterMadhouse.com and Chad at Chad Eric Smith on Facebook. So now, uh, Chad is a uh, native of Washington, D.C. He's a musician, writer, director, and award-winning actor. Uh, In addition to writing and directing Rumination, back in 2014, he co-wrote and starred in his award-winning film debut, the short vampire comedy Dark Therapy, and you've also got Jerry Moore, who has been the host of Monster Madhouse since 2006. It's been on the cutting edge of TV, web, and it is fantastic, and it's won three Tully Awards. So I see that Jerry and Chad are on the line. Let me go ahead and bring them on the air. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey Jerry, Chad, Ooh. all right. Fantastic. Woohoo. <laughs> happy, happy, happy Halloween. Halloween almost. Tonight at the stroke yes. of midnight, it's Halloween all day. Yes, yes. There you go. <laughs> Halloween Eve. Yes, indeed. There you go. Absolutely, man. So, Jerry, I'm going to start with you. Um, I see you perform the uh, the Monster Madhouse play at uh, Elks Lodge in Fairfax, Virginia. Talk a little bit about that. Whoo, man, we're still in that. We just uh, taking it all down, man. We had a four day Halloween festival at, I call it the Elks Center, man. It's right at Route 50 and 495. Huge complex. Uh, four days and three nights. We did a rock concert. We had the Ghost Roast Buffet going on with prime rib, filet mignon, roasted salmon. Barbecue! Oh my gosh, it was incredible, man. We ate like kings. I weigh like, yeah, man. Food is. is, is <laughs> You're making me hungry, there, Jerry. <laughs> oh man, the Twenty Nine Diner. John Wood from the Twenty Nine Diner in Fairfax, established in 1947. Here is one of the most historic places in Fairfax. Old diner, real nice place. He did all the food and put up all the funds to make this happen. 
when we came out, we were taping for TV and did the concert and just, you know, a great mashup. We have the Army ROTC cadets there every day as our roadies and helpers, man, in full uniform. And we had the uh, George Mason University hip-hop dance squad out there, man, and just doing all kinds of fun stuff, entertaining and just uh, a whole big haunted monster house that was decorated up full of all the monster suits I built. And we had like a spaceship and a haunted house and Japanese monster land and all kinds of cool stuff, man. We are still taking it down. I got a U-Haul truck, 18-foot U-Haul, packed full of stuff tonight. Woo! And, uh, you know, and, and uh, you made the gracious offer to call in on your Halloween show, man. And it's, it's, it's fantastic to be on here with you, William. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's great yeah, to have man. you guys on. Yeah, we should do this more often. So now, Chad, <laughs> you had another you had another showing of rumination at Prince George's African American Museum and Cultural Center. So not only talk about that, but also I want you to touch on uh, how your psychology background was brought into the project. Yeah, thank you. Um, and it was great to see you there. Um, also, William, I appreciate it, the support as always. I feel like a veteran Absolutely. of the show now. Uh, but um, yeah so Rumination is a short psychological sci-fi drama and it's about a heartbroken man who travels into the past for a second chance at a failed relationship and uh, those who have seen it thus far have compared it to things like Black Mirror uh, uh, Twilight Zone um, even films like Inception and um, you know, time travel is one of my favorite um, genres of sci-fi. Um, mm. But the film title is Rumination, which, from a psychological perspective, is when one uh, compulsively focuses their attention on something uh, and continue to think about something over and over again. And I know that the, feeling. Oh yeah, it's yeah. the worst when you just think about uh, something uh, over and over again and you can't get it out your mind. Uh, in the mm-hmm. case of my uh, protagonist, the the character Elliot um, is dealing with a breakup that he can't get over. He's having dreams mm-hmm. about it, his ex girlfriend uh, every night to the point that he uh, uh, takes the desperate measure of um, uh, trying to travel back in time to have take have a second chance at it. And uh, I actually was in um, came across the word rumination uh, a couple of years ago when reading a pamphlet about anxiety and depression and that rumination is one of those symptoms is one of the symptoms mm-hmm. of anxiety and depression. And that's how I came up. Well, when I saw the pamphlet, I was like, Ooh, that's a good idea for a good name for a movie, you know, mm-hmm. and it really started from there. You know, I was like, Ooh, that sounds like a good name. So um, I did a lot of research about the neuroscience of grief as well as the neuroscience of consciousness. Um, the, the log line for my movie is time and consciousness are interwoven. And so mm. it deals with this idea that instead of using a physical time machine, uh, you know, say like a DeLorean, <laughs> it uh, right. instead uh, plays with the idea that, that consciousness itself could be the vehicle for time travel. And so, yeah, so to answer your question, uh, Will, uh, William, uh, my – I got my Bachelor of Science in Psychology from the University of Pittsburgh at Greensburg. And so I've always been 
uh, interested in uh, the human mind. And uh, I think when people see this film, they can see uh, my, you know, those sensibilities. Oh, yeah, because, you know, man, D.K. Mag said that they wrote that rumination has an invigorating plot. It's fresh. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, I, I, yeah, that review came out today, and uh, yeah. I was uh, pleasantly surprised and very excited to read what they had to say. Uh, seems as though uh, it's being well-received thus far. Uh, you know, I've only had two public screenings or, uh, so far, but uh, it's been submitted to several film festivals all over the country, including one in Canada, uh, for the 2018 nice. circuit. So uh, next year, uh, hopefully, there will be a bunch of official selections. Awesome, awesome. Now, Jerry, on the on the subject of the mind, I know we were talking recently and uh, about the, the childlike spirit. So talk about what you call the inside smile in all of us. Yeah, you know, well... <clears throat> Uh, much like uh, the film he was just talking about, you know, we travel back in time in our memories and you flash back and you think back and you see something or a color or a smell or something and you reminisce. You want to go back. You want to be child. You know, I want to be in 1977 again, you know, and in your mind, you do that. We ta- we travel time constantly, always moving into the future time. We're traveling time right now, <clears throat> but to go back is in the brain and in the mind. And I want to watch this movie because I'm taking notes on how to actually travel back in time. Maybe they have something I don't know there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the spirit, the soul, the, the core of joy in anybody's life is the inner child that, to laugh, to smile, to feel silly, to giggle, to, you know, to chuckle, to, to feel happy is, you know, at play, you know. And when we become adults and have to adult all the time, it's the inner child. Like when people, I've been through so many relationships. I, I really want to see this man's movie because talking about past relationships and the anxiety and the grief, you know, when you love someone, you want to go like, gosh, if I could just go back just a couple of months exactly. and fix what I know. Yeah. You know what I know now, I know what was wrong, but I didn't at the time and I could go back and fix it and all that stuff. Very interesting. But with the inner child, you reflect back to, you know, fonder times or whatever, but the, I've been in so many relationships and so many times, you know, because I'm a TV horror host. I dress in costumes. I do comedy and I play rock and roll. And when you first meet somebody, they are attracted to the childishness, the freedom. But then later on, it's yeah. like, you're, you're immature, you're childish. And it's like, what are you, jealous? It's like childish is a happy <laughs> thing. But to be able to travel back in time just a couple of months would be cool. Of course, you can't go back one second in physical nope. reality, but in your mind and in your heart and in your dreams, you can be there. And uh, Twilight Zone is a great way to, to reflect on the story just sounds like one of those things that just it rounds it out. It's one of those things that everybody, everybody can relate to, everybody. Rod Serling had his finger on all that when he produced Twilight Zone, that every one of those episodes had touched into some human emotion of anxiety exactly. or, or, or desire or the, 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 the joy or the love of something or the fear of something, you know. And, of course, right. the fear of loss and grief. Grief is something that everything feels, I think, you know. 
Um, even a snail on the ground, you got to wonder if ants and grasshoppers, do they sense and feel these things? You will never know, but, you know, like the dog drops his food. He doesn't carry it anyway, but, you know, right. uh, very interesting stuff. But it all ties back into our timeline, our history, and science fiction is definitely, that's one of the most interesting things in science fiction is traveling time. And even if it's like, say, Godzilla, you know, you've got a monster that's from 50 million years ago. It's like, ooh, that's here now. You know, that's a long stretch. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, traveling time would be a wonderful thing. And, again, we are going into the future, forward time yeah. right now. How do, how do you go back? What an amazing thing to just ponder, which I do most of the day, like thinking back. You think back about everything, you know. Yes, yes. Yeah, but yeah. that inner child, you know, especially when we're grieving or we're unhappy or something. Most people, you know, you go back to when you were a child or you see somebody who's young and they're having problems. That I, like I meet somebody who's 19 or 20 and they're all sad. I'm like, you have no idea how much I would give to be 20 again. I would, yeah, I, I would be happy, year, happy, happy, happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow, man. And you I really your child have the present. Yeah, and we always keep that child with us. I mean, most people do. Um, and I think it was psychology that a lot more people need to release and actually that it's okay to be a little childish. That's why we do Monster Madhouse and celebrate Halloween every other day, you know, because it's kind of a fun time to just kind of be silly and put on a costume and be somebody else or, you know, be a little immature, uh, you know. And a little childish. It's, it's always fun for everybody. Oh yeah, man. yeah. We can all relate to that. We all wish, wish we, we could turn back the hands of time. So now, Chad, Indeed. I want Acting. you to talk. A, yeah. So, Chad, talk a little bit about the stars of uh, Rumination. Uh, how and why did you cast them? Yeah. So, uh, Rumination stars uh, Kelvin Drama. Uh, actress Angus Winfield and actor Danny Gavigan. And uh, as far as Kelvin Drama, the lead character, uh, I actually came across a video of him doing a, a monologue, an acting monologue on Facebook, and was impressed with his sincerity and how expressive he was. And I just reached out to him via a Facebook message, asked him if he'd uh, you know, be comfortable and be interested in this role. And it turned out he was he was very interested in working with me anyway, uh, just from the previous work he's seen. So um, I didn't meet him in person until our first table read. Wow. Uh, meanwhile, I was doing a table read for another movie that's, uh, that I'm in that's coming out soon called The Meek by writer-director Harold Jackson III. And while I was there, the uh, Danny Gavigan, who is in that movie, uh, he was in the table read, and then while I was watching him, I said, man, he would be really good for my neuroscientist character. And so I told him about the, 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 the script, and he could, you know, it resonated with him right away because he, too, uh, experienced uh, a lot of grief from a relationship uh, years prior. And so um, I sent him the script. But literally, as he and I were talking at this table read, uh, actress Angus, Angus Winfield was standing outside of the door, uh, 
uh, in the same building, but for a different reason. So that's called serendipity. Yeah. And, yeah, she and I had worked on a movie <laughs> a few years ago where she actually broke up with my character. <laughs> and I saw her, <laughs> and, you know, she, she's such a beautiful actress, but she, but more than that, she's so compelling and such a strong uh, actress. And I asked her if she would be interested. And so literally I cast both Danny and Angus in the same day because they happened to be in the same space at the same time. And nice. uh, yeah. I cast Kelvin because of the, on the strength of a performance I saw uh, via Facebook. And I, and I wanted to say one thing that uh, Jerry mentioned about human emotion and, um, you know, at the heart of my film is the topic of grief and what grief can cause people to do. Uh, sometimes they make uh, unhealthy decisions. Sometimes they do what I did, which was turn pain into art. And right. uh, one of my favorite quotes is by French visual artist Annette Messenger, uh, who said, being an artist means forever healing your own wounds and at the same time endlessly exposing them. And I think mm. that a lot of artists, uh, whether it be through music, through song, through storytelling uh, in cinema or on the stage, is that we use our human emotions uh, to tell stories. And no mm. matter how specific you are, uh, no matter how personal your story uh, feels, it, you, uh, what you end up realizing is that it is actually very universal. Yeah. And so... By me telling a story that was inspired by my own experience with grief following a breakup, I end up uh, creating a film that resonates with other people who have also uh, experienced the same thing. Yes, yes. And uh, it's a very gratifying feeling. Sure, because that helps people too, man. You know, uh, you know the, the, the expressiveness, at the extrovert, uh, to be an artist uh, or to be an actor – I mean, of course, there's plenty of artists and actors and people and musicians who they stay in the basement. They do it for themselves. They paint pictures and hang them on their own walls. They never show them out. But to actually publish and put stuff out with the extroverts to actually release that, you know, because I've met so many super, super talented people before that it's like, my God, you should be on TV. You should be here. And they're like, no, I just do it. I don't want anybody to see this. They do it for themselves. That they right. have their own audience. People only need that little bit of satisfaction. You know, I, of course, need everyone to see what I do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yes, it, it definitely, you know, I don't know how many times, you know, you hear a song or you see a movie and it puts all the pieces together and it, it helps you reason, uh, you know, the unreasonable mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm, wow, yeah, reason the unreasonable. Wow. I'm still mm. stuck on a net messenger quote. That that's a profound quote. Yes. Say that one again. What was that quote? Yeah, uh, being an artist means forever healing your own wounds and at the same time endlessly exposing them. Mm. Yep, that's me. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. So, Jerry, we're since we're on the subject of casting, talk about how you cast talent for Monster Madhouse and your other projects. Well, it's like playing darts with a blindfold on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, again, you know, the serendipity of just being out and around and you run into people. And it's like, hey, 
you'd be perfect for this or whatever. And of course, social media helps. You can run into so many people and cast people up. And But the right place at the right time has always been a major factor that you just bump into the people. You know, uh, I have more luck that way with actually just physically meeting people, whatever, than actually you casting, you know, like if you're fly fishing or whatever. You know, because the first thing people ask is like, well, how much does this pay? And it's like, well, wait a second. Right. Uh, you know, let's, uh, you know, pay is something that can can come at the end of the thing or if you're budgeted, whatever. But generally, if that's because I've, I've, I've reached out to a lot of actors, actresses who put out casting calls. And it's the only thing they're worried about is how much does it pay? And I'm like, mm. well, you know, this is a chance to be seen again, you know, doing television because a lot of people out there, you know, being seen is, is everything and getting uh, the exposure and whatever. But of course, you know, we'd love to be able to pay everybody all the time, but you got to, in the show business today, the internet has, of course, you know, knocked the bottom out of the music business. And, you know, back in the day when art, people can just right click on your stuff and they got it, or they can listen on YouTube or they just get it. They copy it. You know, back in the day, you had to seek things out, and you had to get it. You had to go watch it, you know, uh, get a recording of it, buy it, whatever. The Internet has been a wonderful tool to put everything everywhere, but it's also made things so non-exclusive. Um, but yeah. it's also opened up doors. You can meet people from all over the planet. I've, uh, I'm planning on going to Japan this winter. And I've already got, you know, through the internet, just tons of people like, okay, I want you in my movie. I want you in my movie. And, you know, you meet people. Casting is that it's like algebra or alchemy. You don't really know until it's right. And just that serendipity, again, of just being at the right place at the right time. A lot of directors, producers just seem to have that. And you just step right into the right puddle at the right time, you know, and, uh, you keep rolling, and having the vision and knowing your story is one thing. But again, with our TV shows, most of it's usually improv, and I kind of put the puzzle together. It's like a blank puzzle that's all cut out, and we paint the picture after the puzzle's put together, kind of. So, <laughs> you know, we cast as we go. Sometimes you grab somebody out of the hallway, like, hey, we need somebody real quick. Come on in here. You're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, like I remember the first time I was on your show, Jerry, you invited me there. Next thing I know, I was in the cast. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, man. I'm like, hey, you're on, man. Here, put on this eye patch and let's go. We made him into Samuel L. Jackson, E.L. Jackson. He had on the little hat and gave him the eye patch. And he started doing some kung fu, and there he was. <laughs> Improv, baby, improv. Improve the improv, right? We put the improv and improve. I guess that doesn't make any sense, but yeah. But you're great, great William. William, William's a great actor, man. He could do just about anything. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh yeah, you know, William and I were actually uh, co-stars. What's that? A few weeks ago, William, we were co-stars. Oh yeah, Iola's letter. Yeah, that was Mm -hmm. fun. That was good. Yeah, it was a good project. Yeah, man. It's like, you know, to me also, it's like jam sessions because so many times people are like, well, you know, who writes this stuff? And I'm like, well, we just make it up. They're like, oh, well, you should write a script. And I'm like, well, you know, tell Jimi Hendrix to put some sheet music in front of him, man, because this stuff you're shooting from the hip 
And sometimes right. when you're improving right. and you got ten people together, stuff's gonna come up that you would have never written or you couldn't even write because it just comes right out of you. I you can't know, even think of it. It's the same way. Sure, as because as listen, picture. You know, it's like what writers do. You know, writers sit at the table and improv and make stuff up. So why not just do it while the cameras are rolling? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you gonna say something else, Ted? Yeah, well, I was just uh, agreeing with Jerry. But speaking of that, you know, I saw on uh, Facebook, Jerry, that you uh, you play guitar, and I actually play uh, piano and keyboard. So we got the jam sometimes. Dude, we must, we must. I have a TV show I've had on for three years called Jam Session. And the idea behind, I end up just showing music video blocks, but to get people together and say, okay, here's here's a slow A, go. Different, you know, drummers, keyboard players, bass players that have never even really rehearsed or jammed, and you just do it, man, and get the close-ups. And that's the beauty of the, the music, you know. I'd love to play with you, man. Are you in the, uh, the, the, you're in the Beltway area here? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, uh, you know, uh, in the Clinton area. But, yeah, I'm cool. a native of Washington, D.C., so I know my way around. Brilliance, man. You know, because the D.C. area, whenever I go to another city, Los Angeles or wherever, and you mention, I'm from D.C., they're like, ooh, you're from D.C.? There's, like, all this, you know, like, you got the scene over there and stuff. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got flavor. So I would love to do that, yeah. William, man. Hook us up, and we will uh, – Without a doubt, let's set up some jams, man. We'll do it for TV, and we'll, you know, because music's a lot like acting. It's an expression. It's a color. Mm -hmm. It's a flavor. It's an up or a down, and people hear music. That's why I love symphonies and stuff. There's no words, but the pictures that come into your mind, the emotions, the sadness, the happy sounds, you know, major, minor. It it paints these wonderful pictures, you know. That's why I like silent movies a lot, too, or even modern movies where they on purpose have no dialogue and they let the pictures tell the story, you know, uh, one that I loved as a kid, everybody saw it in elementary school. It was a foreign film called the red balloon. If you remember that there was it's like in France or something, but there's this red balloon that floats around mm-hmm. and this kids following it and it becomes his friend and you know, no words, but mm-hmm. uh, the pictures, you know, motion picture, you know. So when people get too heavy into, you know, scripts are great. But the way yeah. you put it into visual is everything. Because it's not a book. If people aren't going to read this. They're going to see it, you know. The colors, the angle is everything, you know. Yeah. Man, that's that's great. Yeah, Chad, and you know, uh, uh, Jerry, man, he's right off exit 50, right off the Beltway, right over there in uh, Merrifield area, uh, Dunloring area. Yeah, man. So, yep. Yeah, okay. man. <laughs> right across yeah, the man, river. Yeah, man, we definitely looking forward to, actually, we just brought the Monster Madhouse Band back out this past Friday night and did our first concert in three years, and I have not been playing music really for about three years. I've been mixing it and listening to it, but to actually start playing mm-hmm. again, it's just like I, I missed that. I need that. Um, you know, and that's why I think actors love to just go and volunteer and be in stuff because you're doing it. If you're just yeah. doing it for the money, if you're just doing it for the money, then it's not really authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the pain, the payment you get for being in something 
Because, you know, I was just in a, a movie that we shot two years ago, a little bit part, but it just played at the AFI not too long ago. And I stayed up all night, froze my butt off to be in this movie. And that's the pay right there, man. It's, there's me up on the big screen. People are watching it. And there's me. Nobody knows it's me, but I know it's me. And, you know, that's the pay because you get to be in something, you know. It's very important. Yeah, yeah, I stopped saying yeah. that I was an aspiring anything. Uh, I stopped saying that I was an aspiring anything a long time ago. Aspiring <laughs> actor, aspiring musician, right. because I do it. You know, I do it. You're there. And, you um, do it. Yeah, and I remember looking at an, uh, uh, an award show a few years ago in which they were honoring Al Pacino. I'm Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, Jeffrey Wright, one of my favorite actors, who's actually from the D.C. area, um, uh-huh. was honoring Al Pacino, and he was telling a story about the HBO film they did called Angels in America. And he was saying that uh, Al Pacino called Jeffrey Wright and asked him to meet up with him so they can do rehearsal. And they did it. And then he called him the next day and the next day. And he kept on asking him to do rehearsal. And after a while, uh, it dawned on Jeffrey Wright that Al Pacino was having more fun doing just the rehearsal than the actual project itself. Because yep. that is where the art was. The art was in figuring wow. it out and, and really getting it right. And so, you know, because after a while, he's like, wait a minute. Um, we're really kind of, you know, running this into the ground, this rehearsal yeah, process. Yeah, man. And then he realized that that was really... <laughs> Wow, I never heard that story. Wow. Yep, it's like talking about it's like talking about playing tennis or actually doing it. You know what I mean? It's like uh right. you know, just go and do, you know. That's what I love about music. And uh improvisation, being able to get together with people, but what television, especially public TV has brought to us that we do it, we don't just put it on YouTube or we don't just watch it ourselves. We put it on TV so people we'll never meet can see this, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe inspire them to, you know, because again, acting is just pretending like you're not acting. But I think with improv, that's why people like reality shows so much because they, well, of course they're acting, but you know, the best stuff you can't write stuff like this. Like sometimes when I have a crazy day and I got Murphy riding with me, I can't uh-huh. make up some of the crazy stuff. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you <can't. laughs> You, know. you can't even make it up, can you? No, nope. and then a bee flies in the car, and you get a wasp flying around your head while you're, you know. <laughs> little stuff. It's always the little stuff that makes the big difference, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, Ch- Chad, talk about your approach to directing. What, what would you say your style is? Well, you know, the first time I directed, um, and I've talked about this in previous shows with you, Dark Therapy. Uh, and, uh, Jerry, I think you would uh, appreciate this one uh, when you get a mm-hmm. chance. Uh, you got to look up Dark Therapy on Facebook. It's a short right. film that I, um, I wrote with um, Devin Nikki Thomas, who is an actress and producer here in D.C. I know Devin. Yeah, know yeah. Devin. Yeah, she's just, uh, amazing. She's been, she's been on our she's been on our show too. She's brilliant. Oh, okay, yeah. So you definitely got to watch this. And she was the executive producer, uh, and I played a vampire who has an irrational fear of blood. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> no, and so it's called oh. Dark Therapy. It's on Facebook. I think it's been viewed over forty thousand times 
uh, on Facebook, and you know, usually around this time of year, it it starts to get uh, viewed a lot more. But in that case, I was actually in the film too. I directed it, but I was also dressed up uh, in makeup, hour and a half worth of uh, sitting in the makeup chair. Um, so that was a, a full transformation. And but because I was performing in it, my uh, energy and mental powers were divided between performing and directing. So this rumination is the first time where I'm directing solely from behind the camera. And I would say that my style of directing has a lot to do with my instincts as an actor. So Mm. uh, because I'm an actor, uh, I was able to, I think, to communicate to the actors in my film in a way that was very explicit um, didn't necessarily tell them how to perform, but um, but because I knew how I would do it, I could give them the the language, I think, to describe it in such a way that it made it easier. Um, and I also, because I'm an actor, was very sympathetic to them. So, for example, I chose to shoot my film Rumination in all natural light. That was mm, nice. At the very um, beginning of the process that I wanted it to have a natural light. I mean, use natural light. And it was for multiple reasons. A, when I saw the movie, the Revenant <laughs> with uh, Leonardo oh, DiCaprio. Yeah. And, wow, and I learned that, yeah. that whole movie was in, in natural light. I was like, wow, that, you know, it was a beautiful film. Uh, and, you know, so I had to find the right person to do that. And my cinematographer, his name is Andy Evans. And he, uh, when I saw his, his, uh, his demo reels, I, I loved the, the images that he had. And when he told me that he shot it without uh, any artificial light, I was like, man, you're the guy. The other right. Well, that's, that the, re- that's the real world, man. That's yeah. the real world is that light. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. You're getting that, that real organic look, but more, but, but, but in addition to that, as an actor, uh, I know most of the waiting on set is waiting for light to get set up. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that uh, as a director, I would love to be able to, use our time as efficiently as possible um, so that we could um, not waste any time, you know? And so sure. I, I think that because of my experience being on the other side of the camera, it, it made the decisions that I make, uh, that I made as a director uh, was influenced by that, those experiences. Right. Cause you want to keep you know, your actors also, uh, on mm-hmm. temperature, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and also, I also put a lot of emphasis on trust. You know, I wanted to make sure that you know, I chose the, you know, they say sometimes that uh, directing is 80% casting, right? So if I chose yeah. you to be my part, uh, that means that I have a certain level of trust uh, that you will be able to deliver. And so right. in the case of Danny Gavigan, for example, uh, who is a brilliant stage and film actor, he, when I sent him the screenplay and he saw that his character was uh, described as quirky. He went uh, a very uh, he went down a, a route that I didn't ever expect. But hmm. it, it, the of the film, he he took quirky, which was written so much life to him, and I let him have full reign over that with his yep. choices, and and he ends up being, uh, you, you know really in a lot of ways the anchor in a lot of ways uh, the the he brings joy to what could uh, could otherwise be a kind of dark tale 
um, right on. you know, a kind of a moody, depressing story, he brings uh, light to it in a way that um, I think I'm a felt actor and I'm appreciated the performance. I, I really just uh, gave him the trust that he deserved to give the performance that um, turns the film into something even greater. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You got to trust them to make those zigs and the zags and those strong choices. I mean, that's why you put them there. They got to be able to dig yep. into that script and, and come right. up with something magic. Sure. And giving, giving an actor that leeway to say, you know, what, you know, uh, kind of let them kind of paint some of their own in, inner self into it, I think really, you know, is important. Express the expression from because when you cast an actor and you see their face and you go, you can see emotion in someone's face. Like wow, they got a face that looks like this or that, and usually that's on the inside too. You know, uh, you know that, that 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 they say not to judge a book by its cover, but when you see an actor, ninety nine percent of the time, I've heard a lot of acting coaches say that. The headshot doesn't really matter. Well, yes, it is. That headshot is exactly, that's so important. That face, your face is everything, man. And that face, that expressiveness, I can't wait to see that, man. I, I really can't. I look forward. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We can. Uh, I'm actually about to send you a message of dark therapy uh, with me and cool. Devin Nikki Thomas, so you can check that out, and then we can oh, uh, nice. talk more. Yeah. What's the, long, know, what's the running? How long does that run? Is that a short or is it a full length yeah, feature yeah, or what? Short. Yeah, yeah. So Dark Therapy, the vampire comedy, is eight minutes, and Rumination is a little under thirteen minutes. And so, man, I'd, uh, lo- Dark- I'd love to, sh- I'd love to show Dark Therapy on 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 our uh, TV broadcast sometime, man. I'd love to have that on. Uh, you know, we'd love yeah, to show yeah, in the. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would be a, a blessing. I would, I would love that. Thank you so much. Uh, we shot Dark yes. Therapy in one day, and I shot Rumination in three days. Um, wow. So, you yep. know, uh, just getting – that's, that's fantastic. That's old school, man. You know, I always say, hey, you know, well, how long is a movie? An hour and a half? It should take at least yeah. three hours to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Wow. Nice. Chad, I don't know if I asked you this before, but what's been your very strangest reaction to Dark Therapy? Strangest reaction? Well, I think, you know, the strangest reaction that pops in my mind is that when I tell people that, uh, the, you know, that it's about a vampire who's afraid of blood, people, Ooh. instead of people, sometimes, you know, most times people laugh. But, yeah. <laughs> sometimes people, but sometimes people scratch their heads and go, well, wait a minute. How, how can yeah. you be a vampire if he's afraid of blood? <laughs> which means, which to me means the, the, irony, the irony goes straight over their head. Um, <laughs> sure. I mean, and that also think, deals with the, the agony of the person that they have to do this. But, oh, man, you know, what, a pick, what a pickle to be in, you know? <laughs> right, right. But I, I think uh, overall the reactions have always, haven't been strained. They've been mostly uh, – they're amused by the concept of a homophobic vampire, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I like, you know, I like ironic characters, like characters yeah. where the way they are doesn't match the way they look or the way yeah. their personality is doesn't match the way. In fact, I saw Jerry on your page. Uh, I saw you uh, as a uh, uh, Was that 
Is that you? Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I actually just a, a few months months ago, I did a movie uh, in Florida called An Accidental Zombie Named Ted. And it's written wow. and directed by Ann Wells. We shot it in Ocala, Florida. And mm-hmm. in it, I play a werewolf who has alopecia. Oh. <laughs> so, 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 no hair. Oh, and boy. He, and he goes to group therapy because, of oh. course, uh, who wouldn't if you are a werewolf who was hairless? And right. it was a, such a quirky character, but similar to the vampire character, it plays right. with that, uh, that irony. Right. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think one of these days I'm going to write a script about a Frankenstein monster afraid of stitches. That's you know what I mean? That's the way. Because, you know, when I first started writing Dark Therapy, I at first mm-hmm. was thinking about the characters as being Jehovah's Witnesses. And, <laughs> you know, my mom right. is Jehovah's Witnesses, and they don't, they don't accept blood transfusions uh, because of their religious right. beliefs. And right, right. I thought it would be kind of interesting, but then I I kind of went the more just hemophobic vampire instead. But yeah, I think that's the spirit. I think a lot of writers need to think about is to kind of clash two ideas that seem to conflict uh, together. Um, and I, I learned about irony when I was a stage actor. When I went to the University of Pittsburgh at Greensburg, I remember my professor, Dr. Shrum. He uh, he cast me in and directed me in the play. The House of Blue Leaves, and it's a dark comedy, and uh, about this zookeeper who, by day, you know, is a zookeeper, but by night, he's uh, making music and trying to become a Hollywood singer. Right. And when I was when I auditioned for the role, I got the part because, uh, according to my director, Dr. Strom, he said that I was funny. But throughout the uh, rehearsal. He realized he started noticing that I was being less and less funny, and he pulled me aside one day. He said, "Chad, you know this is a dark comedy, emphasis on comedy, and you're not being funny anymore. I think you're taking the darkness and the 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 more um, dramatic elements of the film, I mean of the play, a little too sad." He says, "People don't like to watch a person being sad. What's more interesting is watching someone who's sad trying not to be." Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and it clicked in my head, boom, instead of being depressed the entire play, my character should have been uh, to be manic, like, you know, a mania. So someone who is trying to overcompensate for his sadness with, uh, right. you know, uh, happiness and enthusiasm and high energy. And so when he told me that, it changed my whole performance. And so then when at the end of the play, when my character, you know, kills his wife on stage, uh, it, it the contrast is so so stark and so boom you know like Jesus like I you know you almost don't expect it but you do it, whereas if I did it depressed the whole time it would have been too um, it would have been you know too expected so there's definitely something about clashing two ideas you know you, if you're playing if you're a depressed person don't play depressed play opposite you know you know if you're if you're tired don't don't act like you're drunk. Act like a sober person. Act like a person who's trying to be sober. Well, that creates balance. It's like if you stand a bicycle up by itself on the sidewalk, it'll fall over. But if you ride it versus itself, it balances. Yeah. Right. That, well, that's from my yeah, book. Yeah, that's right. Bad analogies. 
Bad Analogies by Jerry Moore. That's one of my new books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, you know, Chad, you were talking about uh, bringing ideas together. They call that idea sex. That's a good thing for, <laughs> for writers. Okay, I think we have right. I think we have somebody on the line here. Let me bring him on in. I, I believe this is Mr. Kelvin Drama. Kelvin, is that you? Yo, yo, yo! What's up, man? <laughs> all right, all Kelvin right, this all is, right. What are the stars of rumination? Star. Yes, the star <laughs> of rumination. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, what's up, fellas? What's going on, man? Good, man? Can't wait to see. Can't wait to yeah, see. Nah. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. I was just getting off work. Uh, I said, let me call in real quick. I was trying to chime in and check in, see what was going on, but glad to be on. I just had one awesome. question Absolutely. for Chad. So, Chad, uh-huh. um, what has been, since since you released Ruminations during the filming process and, and the screening process, what has been the proudest moment for you? Uh, you know, they keep building upon itself. I mean, just <laughs> complete. And it coming out pretty much exactly the way it was written uh, is a proud moment in, in and of itself. Um, you know, it's, and, and I think also the fact that my father, Jonathan Bay, who is, is an Emmy Award winning music producer, the fact that he collaborated with me to create this amazing score um, that brings uh, the tone of the film to life. I think that's mm. something I'm I'll always be proud of. You know, something that forever I can say that I collaborated with my father on a on a on a film. Um, that is cool. That is being, yeah, that's it's, it's an awesome feeling. But I think as far as it being uh, it being seen by audiences thus far, you know, it premiered at the Real Independent Film Extravaganza a, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, uh, Anthony Green, who's a filmmaker here in D.C., he's the producer of the festival, and uh, our, professor, our short, Rumination, screened last out of all the short films and was so well-received. I mean, people were coming up after me, asking me questions and saying how much they loved it, and they loved time travel, and they just loved it. And mm-hmm. so the gratification I got from just uh, people telling me how much it resonated with them and how much, uh, how much they're there, there is. I know it's out of theirs, but as far as it being, uh, you know, it's a short film, but it's juicy when it comes to the many topics that um, one can talk about that comes from this film. So I am I, I, um, uh, very uh, pleased at the response I've gotten just from the two public screenings thus far, and I uh, am confident that it will continue to be well received once it hits the 2018 uh, film festival circuit. Awesome. Great. Yeah, and, and Kelvin, I got to ask you a couple questions. So, uh, how was it for you, uh, you know, being in those scenes with Danny? Uh, oh, man. Uh, hold on one second. Um, I would say for Danny, Danny is a master at what he does. Um, it was kind of like, you know, like Michael Jordan. You know, when you first when people say they first meet Michael Jordan, and yeah. it's like this, this aura around him. That's kind of how I had the same feeling that I had when when, when Danny walked in. Thank you. And it was crazy because we had the the the, the read through, and my whole intention is, you know, when you go to a read through, you read through the script and you you know take notes and jot down everything. Um, 
<laughs> and when I go in there with Danny to read, you know, to read through, I mean, he's like full fledged. I mean, he's not all the way in character, but he's like, I mean, he's like in the zone. And you know, as an actor, when you see somebody else in the zone, it, it makes you go go there too. So, yep. in, in, in a sense, he made me step my game up. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's the thing about pairing things together, man. It's like when you mix that Hershey's syrup with that milk, it makes chocolate milk. You know what I mean? You Separately, they're two separate things. But when you cook, get people together in a group, just picking a band or an ensemble, they reflect on to and away from each other, which creates all this push-pull, which is, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. I think – yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Calvin. Oh, like to me, when I when 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 I think of acting, it's it's almost like uh, um, you remember that game back on the Atari with the the dot and the the two like rectangles and they just bounce the dot around and you just keep hitting. Yep, it's yep. almost like tennis and ping pong. <laughs> the better yep. you oh, know, that's, that's kind of how. Yeah, so you kind of like you know it's like a lot of back and forth. Now when you try to. Be the uh, you know try to outshine your mm. same partner or your same partners. It kind of pulls away from the performance. Now when you you know you when you feed and you give that actor and he give and he's returning that same, it just it makes it more yeah. therapeutic and oh man, it's yes. Just, like, with, like I say with Danny, it was almost like a like I say he made me have to not take like I couldn't take any. Any any scenes off. I couldn't take any takes off. I had to bring it every single take. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be giving him the energy for him to 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 do what he had to do. Absolutely, awesome. yeah, man. <laughs> well, you know, it's, yeah, it's like it's like a it's like trying to write. If you try to write a seesaw with one person, you know, if you have monologue, one thing, <laughs> you know, you gotta have. You know, you, know, you gotta have that. That push and pull, it's like the blues and the blues music, the call and the response, man. You know, right. and wow, that that's exactly hits it right on the head, man. Man, Jerry, we got it. If if this conversation doesn't talk me anything, one thing that I want to meet you in person, and yeah, man, we got we got to collaborate because I mean, just from everything I'm hearing, and I, you know, I kind of look through your pictures. I think we are. Brothers from another mother. I mean, uh, from absolutely, the man. Music to the, the uh, your analogies. <laughs> I'm big. I'm big. Right, man. And I'll tell you, it's about putting it out to put into people's <laughs> eyeballs, man. And, and you know, the stuff changes people's lives. And you know, we're we're all very blessed to be able to take our time of our life and put it into making things to entertain other people that we give of ourselves to do that. And uh, the, the, you know, to the expressiveness again. Movies and music change people's lives, man. When you oh, hear yeah, that yeah, music definitely. from your soul, man. When you hear that music, your hair stands up on your arms, and it's like, whew, you know, it empowers you, or it could take you down, too. You know, music, art, vision—just one image, one color. Sometimes can just put people right on their back, man. Boom. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, we're wow. going to have to, you know, because William's down at the TV station all the time. He's a producer down there, too, man. And the TV studio is so great. we got the big room down there, and it's like a little theater, man. You get it rolling, get the lights set, get the cameras going, and start rolling and improvise stuff and just get people in there. 
You know, uh, it's actors' workshops, man. There's no better way to do it than just, just you know, how you learn to swim. Somebody pushes you in the pool. <laughs> you got to swim. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I definitely agree. And, and, and um, one other thing before I jet, um, I think a lot of people feel like it, it, it's so many times I go to different classes and different workshops, and I hear mm-hmm. actors say, oh, I don't watch TV. Like, what? I don't what? watch movies. <laughs> like, you have, <laughs> to, you have, yeah, you yeah, have to watch, you know, those who are excelling and, and learn from them. You can't just go to classes. And, and especially, like, if you watch, like, you know, say if you have an audition for an ABC type show. Yeah, we all know how yeah. ABC, all their shows are, like, fast-paced, just quick talk and quick cuts. Right. And then you go to a little bit of NBC, it's a little bit slower. So you have to right. be able to know what you're getting, like, far as the, the, the yeah. time and the pacing of the scene that they want you to portray. Sure, man. Well, right. you know, I, I read an interview with Johnny Depp. You know, he does all these great roles and all this stuff. Yeah. And he says, you know, as he's on his island or whatever, that he, no, he never watches any of his movies. Well, of course, he's not on the whole other echelon of what's going on. But, you know, to get where he is, you have to see – other things to know where what what time it is, what temperature it is, how are you supposed to act, you know? But uh, right, exactly. Because even people they say I never watch TV. I'm like, well, do you watch movies? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, what do you watch it on? A DVD player. And I'm like, what is that playing? <laughs> My TV. Hello, that's television. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you bring, it's funny you bring up Johnny Depp because you know he's one of my biggest inspirations as a character actor. And yeah. I, Whenever I would watch an interview with him, he would say that he doesn't watch his own films. I always thought it was an interesting comment. And the more I thought about it, uh, the more it made me feel like it was in some ways dismissive of the craft in a way yes. that um, it's kind of, you know, un, uh, you know, rubs me the wrong way. But here's a, yeah. a, a extreme example is Marlon, uh, Marlon Brando. Now, he... Uh, when he would, people ask him questions about the craft of acting, he would be so dismissive about it as if it was no importance to it. Uh, right. And, and that was something that always bothered me, that if you're considered one of the greats, one of the people yeah. who have changed the, the whole uh, trajectory of cinema film acting, and to and say people's lives. That, and, yeah, it changes lives. I mean, and to, and to act as if it's not that important, yeah, right. I think in some ways it's yeah. a disservice to his own uh, craft. So, um, absolutely, yeah, man. The most important thing in the world is to make it to, to understand the importance of what you do. You know, uh, sometimes right. when you the big rock stars, whatever that they're so out of touch with their stuff, it's always nice to see somebody super famous, whatever, just you know, still do it, still love it. Like I just saw a couple of shots of Jerry Lee Lewis was on oh, wow. stage about, about three weeks ago at B.B. King's yeah. up in New York. And he's got, his, he's got his foot up on the piano. He's like 100, you know. That is amazing. <laughs> there, Ted, uh, we're, down, we're down to about uh, four minutes, no, about three and a half minutes. So what I want you to do is uh, quickly, uh, uh, Chad, we'll start with you. Just talk about what you got coming up. Uh, Jerry, you can talk about your Christmas special, and then we got to wrap it up. Right on. Okay. Uh, I'll just briefly say that uh, the best way to keep in keep in touch and follow all that's going on is to follow me on social media. I keep it pretty active. So on Facebook, uh, look to my fan page, Chad Eric Smith. On Twitter, follow me at 
uh, Chad Eric Smith. And on Instagram, follow me at I am Chad Eric Smith, uh, as well mm-hmm. as like the fan page for Rumination because uh, I foresee into the future, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> uh, a lot of good things happening on the film festival circuit. Um, so that's, uh, that's all I'll say about that. Right on. <laughs> okay. Well, with me, William, what I'm doing is, of course, we're doing the Monster Madhouse Christmas special here in a couple of weeks to get it on the air. But what I'm doing is after 12 years on television and all my life loving these monster movies in the 60s, 70s style stuff, I am getting ready to do the crowdfunding for me to make start producing my own monster movies. And we're going to do these Roger Corman style. So I'm getting ready to do some Indiegogo to raise the funds to shoot my 60-style rubber monster movies. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. So keep an eye out for that, uh, monstermadhouse.com or Monster Madhouse Jerry Moore on Facebook and MySpace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, It's still there. I was going to get on chat about his old uh, MySpace smoothing, was it soothing sensations, but maybe next time. Jerry, Chad, it's just been a, a, a pleasure. We just really got to do this more often, man. I just really yeah. feel the energy, man. It's great. I you know, brought you guys together and, and everything, man. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. We will see you awesome. very soon, man. We're going we're gonna to create some stuff, man, on the fly. I can't wait. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to have awesome. to show uh, you're going to be uh, in part to thank for whatever art that Jerry and I create. <laughs> yes, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> the That's king of DC up. media. That's right, the king of DC media. Okay, <laughs> Jerry Chad, man, you're just great to have you guys on the show, man. Y'all just just keep doing what you do, and just have a have a uh, just have a blessed life, and just keep doing it, man. Thank you, sir. We'll see you very Thanks soon, man. Right. And happy absolutely. Halloween, everybody. That's right. Yes, indeed. Don't let the don't let the bed bugs bite. That's right. Hey man, I'm coming over to TP. I'm gonna come over and TP your house, William. (laughs) TP my house. (laughs) Okay. Trick or treat. Smell my feet. Give me something good to eat. (laughs) Give me something to eat. Yeah, man. Okay, man. Y'all have a blessed night, man. All right, guys. Thank you all so much. Okay, guys. Yeah. yeah. Adios. Adios, amigos. Adios. Right on. All right. All right, folks out there in Radio Land, remember to do something every day for your career. And uh, break a leg. Good night.